You are listening to audio from Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. For more information, please visit www.ccmonrovia.org. Please open your Bibles with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 14. 2 Chronicles chapter 14. This is the time in Israel's history where the nation is divided north and south. Chronicles focuses mainly on the kings of the south, Judah. That's where Jerusalem was. And so Chronicles wants to keep uh, a focus on the lineage of David. And that's where the the David line would continue in the south. In the north, there would be several dynasty changes. But in the south, it would all be the lineage of David. Let's just jump right in tonight. Chapter 14, verse 1. So Abijah rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. Then Asa, his son, reigned in his place. In his days, the land was quiet for ten years. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. For he removed the altars of the foreign gods and the high places, and broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers, and to observe the law and the commandment. He also removed the high places and the incense altars from all the cities of Judah, and the kingdom was quiet under him. And he built fortified cities in Judah, for the land had rest. He had no war in those years because the Lord had given him rest. Therefore he said to Judah, Let us build these cities and make walls around them and towers, gates, and bars, While the land is yet before us, because we have sought the Lord our God, we have sought him, and he has given us rest on every side. So they built, and they prospered. And Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah who carried shields and spears, and from Benjamin, 280,000 men who carried shields and drew bows. All these were mighty men of valor. So Abijah... The scriptures tells us, tell us that he was not a good king, and his reign was only three years, but his son Asa comes to the throne, and we see Asa as a very good king, a man who not only sought the Lord himself, but really drew the nation to seek the Lord with him. Good leadership under this king Asa. And it says in verse 2 that he did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. Then it goes on to tell us what those good things were, and maybe we can find some application for our own lives tonight. He removed the altars, he sought the Lord, he served the Lord, he acknowledged that the Lord had given him rest, and he built up those cities. And as a result of these things, the land continued to have rest, and he prospered. So just for our own hearts here tonight, it's really a pretty simple pattern to follow If we want to do well in the Lord, if we want to enjoy some of the blessing, the rest, the prospering that God has for our souls, and God does want us to be blessed. He does want us to live under his favor. It doesn't mean without trouble or ever without trial, but it means that there is a certain rest of soul, a certain confidence that God is with us, and there's a comfort there. And just think about our own lives here, you know, if If Asa, one of the first things he did is he removed the altars. You know, sometimes before you can really be free to walk and serve the Lord, 
in in you know clean clean conscience, you have to start taking away certain things from your life. Now, listen, our fellowship with God comes through faith in Christ. It's our union through Him in Christ. That is how our relationship becomes alive, and and that's the the strength and the assurance of our and confidence we have with the Lord. But the walking with the Lord, the journey of our Christian life, there's practical things that will either bless or hinder your spiritual life. Not your standing from before God, not, not whether you're going to heaven, but the, the fruitfulness, the abundance of the life that you live is dependent on how you walk with the Lord. I mean, there are things you can do that will assist, you know, your life in Christ. There were things that you can do that will hinder and grieve and bring struggle and drama. Amen? We know this. So maybe there's some altars that need to be removed. Anything that competes for your true loyalty to the Lord. I mean, there's some obvious things, any sinful addictions. These would be things that that disturb our peaceful walk with God. Sometimes there can be unhealthy loyalties, even in relationships or in uh, just priorities, whether it's career, whether it's, you know, you can even, even family can become such a priority that it hinders your devotion to the Lord. Anything that would cause you to stumble in your walk with the Lord, anything keeping you from keeping God first in your life. Asa goes through and begins to remove the things that are distracting the nation. He begins to take down these false idols, these places of worship, these false incense, and all of the things that the nation had kind of gotten accustomed to. These are God's people. This is the, these are the children of God. And yet, over time, they gradually begin to accommodate and compromise. It can happen even in a believer's life. Sometimes you have to step back and take a look at, you know, the land of your heart? Are there little pockets of, you know, worship, or little distractions that you've allowed to kind of creep in and become unnoticed? You know, the, the people there, they thought they were serving the Lord, but all these compromises. Asa cleans house. I was reminded of Jesus, these words, Matthew chapter 5. He said, um, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. I don't think any of us should take Jesus literally in this passage here tonight. I don't think he was intending it to be understood literally. There'd be a lot of one eye, there'd be two eyes gone, right? There'd be a lot of hands missing among us here tonight. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, listen, your relationship with God needs to be prioritized. Anything that's causing you a distraction, anything that's causing you to stumble, remove it from your life. Get your heart in a place where you can serve the Lord in, you know, priority and in sincerity. So maybe that's the first step. Take down some altar. The second thing we notice is that Asa was a man who sought the Lord. This simply means he was pursuing him in relationship. Seeking the Lord. When we, we, we often hear that. It's in the scriptures often. The Lord, in fact, encourages us. Seek me. Search me with all your heart. 
And it's not that God is hiding somewhere. This is not a hide-and-seek game God's inviting us to. He's asking us to, to pursue him with our heart, that the direction of our heart, the priority of our life, the pursuit, the passion of our life would be the Lord. That's seeking after him. That's searching for him. Not that he's hiding and can't be found. We know where he is. He's revealed himself to us in Christ. Our heart is toward him. What direction is your life going? It's not that you've arrived. Paul himself said, brethren, I've not yet arrived, but I'm pressing, right? I'm moving in a certain direction. And this is what Asa began to do. He he tore down the distractions and then his heart sought the Lord and he called the people to seek the Lord. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Jesus said, and all these things shall be added to you. This is what seeking means. It doesn't mean you're trying to find a lost city or find something that's carefully hidden. It's talking about the passion, the direction, the motivation of your heart. We pursue him in relationship. We seek him in prayer. We seek him here tonight as we worship the Lord. That's my sense. We were seeking God. We were here to connect with God. We wanted to praise. We invited the Lord into our heart. We're seeking him tonight through the word of God. We're studying. Lord, give us your mind. Let us understand you. Let us discern your truth. This is seeking the Lord. We're seeking him even as we fellowship with one another. We're encouraging one another. This is the pursuit of God that we're invited to. And then finally, we see that Asa also served the Lord. So he he tore down the altars, he sought the Lord, and he served the Lord. He got busy in taking care of the kingdom. He was the king. Part of his role and responsibility was to protect the people of God. And so as God began to give that peace in the land, he didn't fall back on, you know, kind of lazy, well, no, no need to worry. No, let's, let's be busy now while God has given us this rest. Let's, let's be about the business of preserving the kingdom. And let's do those things that we can do. Let's, let's get busy building the cities. Let's, let's be after the service of God and his kingdom and his people. And I think this is a healthy part of our walk with the Lord too. You know, there are some things that you'll never really grow into as a believer until you allow the Lord to use your life in some area of service. There is something about God wanting to flow through your life that just gets choked up if you don't allow service to flow through. Freely you have received, Jesus said, now freely give. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to lay his life down as a ransom for many. There is something of a spiritual health that comes to your life as you learn to serve, loving one another in Christ, serving the Lord in however he would lead you, whatever door he would open for you. But that looking to serve the Lord is a very healthy thing. We're talking about Asa. It says that he was, you know, he did right before God. He he was, um, let me quote it, Asa did what was good and right in the sight of the Lord his God. These are the things, these are practical applications for us. Serving the Lord, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's Ephesians 2.10. 
We love that verse. It, that word workmanship, it's the Greek word poema, and, and it could be translated masterpiece. We are his work of art. You are God's uniquely crafted, no one like you, no duplicate, just you, made for, by God for his good purposes. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for decoration. No, for good works, for just kind of sitting around and saying, thank you, Lord. No, for good works, for just kind of, you know, being seen and, and then being gone. No, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is God's desire. And we've been uniquely created by God. You may, you may think of yourself as not, you know, much of a masterpiece tonight. And, you know, I think we could all probably say that, you know, this is not much of a, Lord, if this is your masterpiece, you know, you need, you need art school because this is kind of, but listen, God has, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You have been created in the image of God. Now we live, we're fallen and, and we're, and we're by nature sinners, but all of that has been redeemed in Christ. That's why he says we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. You have to begin to see yourself in Christ, not who you are without Christ. None of us look good in that mirror, but who I am cleansed by Jesus, who I am loved and forgiven, who I am made righteous in Christ before the God who made me and called me. There's purpose there. There's real value there. You need to see it in your own self because God saw it in you, right? We sang it tonight. He, he recklessly came for us. He pursued us. This love of God has transformed us. And so it calls us to good works. It calls us to, to desire to be the, the man, the woman that he's created me to be. I want to discover that. I want to find those works that he's prepared beforehand, things that he's fashioned before eternity. He knew me, he saw me, and he had plan and purpose. Oh, this serving the Lord is really the highest call upon our life. It's the greatest use of our life. And the blessing that Asa discovered in that place of, of serving the Lord, seeking the Lord, tearing down those idols, he reaped peace and prosperity. And that is the blessing that the Lord has for us. There is a blessing of abiding in Jesus. There is a blessing that God has intended for you and I. We are to live at peace with God. There is to be a prosperity upon our life, the love of God, the favor of God. And Jesus said this, John 15, verse 9. That's that passage where he says, you know, I'm the vine, you're the branches, abide in me, and you'll be fruitful. He says a little further down in that chapter, verse 9, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Live in my love. Live in this love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. This is how we love God. This is how we stay in the love. This is how we walk in the love. We follow the Lord. We obey the Lord. Our hearts are, are towards him. 
We're not chafing at him. I love you, Lord. I just hate having to do, you know, anything that, that, you know, no, that's not love. Love, Lord, I want to please you. I want to serve you. I want to walk in the love, the light. And And then he says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. God wants us to prosper. God wants us to walk in the fullness of his joy, his peace, his love. Now, I know when we say prosper, many think, oh, uh, you know, financially, that sounds good. I hope God does want me to prosper. Well, of course, God will provide, and there may be times where he will prosper you financially, but that's not the full intent of what God is, is, is promising. You know, there's more than money. You know, there's a lot of money that won't satisfy you, but Jesus and his love and his joy being full, that's something money can't buy. God wants you to prosper in the spirit in him. Well, back to our text. So this is Asa. This good king comes on the scene and God just blesses him. He's walking in God's favor. But here comes the test. There's always a test, right? Even the the good king obeying the Lord, still here comes the test. Verse 9, back in 2 Chronicles. Then Zerah, the Ethiopian, came out against them with an army of a million men and 300 chariots, and he came to Mereshah. So Asa went out against him, and they set the troops in battle array in the valley of Zephathah at Mereshah. And Asa cried out to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on you. And in your name we go against this multitude, O Lord. You are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. So the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. And Asa and the people who were with him pursued them to Gerar. So the Ethiopians were overthrown, and they could not recover, for they were broken before the Lord and his army. And they carried away very much spoil. Then they defeated all the cities around Gerar, for the fear of the Lord came upon them, and they plundered all the cities, for there was exceedingly much spoil in them. They also attacked the livestock enclosures and carried away off sheep and camels in abundance and returned to Jerusalem. Wow. So, Asa's blessed He's enjoying a great time of peace and prosperity, and he's built up the cities. He's got a pretty good standing army, and he thinks he's, you know, I mean, he's looking pretty good until the million-man army shows up. That's always a bummer. That's always a little intimidating. And, And the chariots. Chariots were like tanks in that day. I mean, you just couldn't stand against them. So now, but but what does Asa do? And I I love this. He went out to battle. He went right out and drew his forces. And then he prayed, cried out to the Lord. And the result, God gave him victory and great spoil. He went home even more blessed than when he went out. Let's think of some application here. There is going to be spiritual battles even a prosperous and blessed 
people are going to have tests and challenges that come against their lives. In fact, Paul promised us that in Ephesians chapter 6, that whole put on the armor of God kind of portion. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So Asa comes out to the battle and the Lord through the apostle Paul says, you too, believer, you come out to the battle. Don't retreat in fear and despair. You step up and put on the armor of God. You'll be able to resist. You're going to fight. I'm going to give you victory. But you have to show up to the battle. You have to, sh- you have to come you know, to the party, so to speak. You have to be ready for God to use your life. And it's in that time. So Asa comes out. He aligns himself. He's greatly outnumbered. He knows that without God, he's doomed, but he still steps up to the battle and cries out, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether many, with many or with those who have no power. Boy, that, that is, there, that's a true statement, isn't it? It's nothing for the Lord to help. Victory is not hard for the Lord. Can you imagine this Ethiopian army, a million men, And all of a sudden, up in heaven, the Lord, oh, I wasn't expecting a million. Oh, a million men, right? You know, you just, the Lord is not intimidated by numbers. The Lord is not, there's, you know, the Lord is strong and mighty. And if God is for you, who can be against you? It's easy for the Lord to deliver. He can do it with many. And he may do that. He may rise up an army even bigger than a million. Maybe he'll put two million out there against them. No. Or you can do it even with those who have no power. And Asa says, Lord, that's us. <laughs> you can do this with many or you can do it with us being even greatly outnumbered. But here's what we ask, Lord. Help us. For we rest on you. And in your name, we go out against this multitude. I love this man's faith. With many or with those who have no power. It reminds me of Jonathan. You may remember Jonathan when he wanted to see if the Lord would give him victory against the Philistines. It was him and his armor bearer against a whole garrison of Philistines. They didn't see Jonathan. He spotted them. And he says to his armor bearer, come, let's go over to this garrison of the uncircumcised, all these Philistines. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. You see, with God, you're a multitude. With God, you're a majority. With God, you're, you're safe. You're secure. And this is a, this, but this has to be seen in faith. You can't calculate faith by doing the math. You have to, faith is by trusting in God. We're resting on you, Lord. We're looking to you. And sometimes the Lord wants us to rest on him. You know, sometimes the Lord will purposefully uh, put the odds against you. He'll put you in a circumstance where you have to rest on him. Because if he didn't, you'd calculate your way out. You'd figure out how to get out without him. You'd do the math and you'd just try to get, you know, we do that all the time. But God, at times, will allow your life to come into a place where, you know what, the, the math doesn't compute. I don't know how to get out of this. I'm overwhelmed. And yet, that's the place where you look to God, where you cry out to God, and that's where you step in faith. 
In Second Chronicles chapter 15, let's press on. Let's, let's see what immediately follows this battle. The Lord's going to use it as an opportunity to encourage. Chapter 15, verse 1. Now the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while you were with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time, Israel has been without the true God, without a teaching priest, and without law. But when in their trouble they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found by them. And in those times there was no peace to the one who went out nor to the one who came in, but great turmoil was on all the inhabitants of the lands. He's giving a little history of Israel's ups and downs. So nation was destroyed by nation and city by city, for God troubled them with every adversity. But you, be strong, and do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. After this victory, Asa has done well. He's gone out to meet the enemy. He's called out on the Lord, and the Lord has helped, and the Lord has given victory. And now the prophet of the Lord comes to speak and to encourage and remind Asa, this is the Lord's victory. The Lord is with you. So long as you continue with him, Asa, so long as you continue to rely on him, so long as you continue to cry out to him, so long as you are depending and leaning on God, he will be with you. But if you forsake him, if you turn away from the Lord and you begin to rely on your own strength and do things in your own power, your own way, your own ambition, well, then the Lord will let, will let you go. He'll forsake you. He'll let you go out there and do it and find out those results. So he's giving Asa an encouragement, but he's also giving him a warning. The Lord sends a word. It's a word of encouragement. Be strong. Keep seeking the Lord. And this is what I have found, and even in my own walk with the Lord, it seems that one step of faith leads to another. You know, you, you take a step of faith and God works. And guess what that means? Get ready to take the next step of faith. It's not a time to, like, relax necessarily or just bask in the glory of what God has done in your life. It's time to take note and say, okay, be strong. Keep seeking, keep walking by faith. The Lord will encourage you. And as you take steps of faith, as you trust the Lord, as you look to the Lord through different circumstances, maybe challenge in your life, maybe you're facing one right now, rest in the Lord. Lean in on Him. Don't try to make it in your own strength. Don't try to do the, the math and calculate and scheme your way out. Stop and cry out to God. It's nothing for Him to deliver you, to help you. Lean on the Lord and watch the Lord work. Watch the Lord meet faith with his power. Watch the Lord meet your trust with victory, with help, with real breakthrough. And then the Lord will encourage you. And that's what's happening through the prophet. Do you see what happens, Asa, when you trust me? You see what's possible if you'll, if you'll walk in faith with me? And that, that faith is... It, it leads to the, to the next step of faith. God is looking for faith, and he sends this word of encouragement. Well, Asa is greatly encouraged. Look back to verse 8. And when Asa heard these words, 
and the prophecy of Oded, the prophet, he took courage and removed the abominable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities which he had taken in the mountains of Ephraim. And he restored the altar of the Lord that was before the vestibule of the Lord. I mean, he's, he's even doing more reforms now. He's really encouraged. He was doing well. The Lord's given him this victory. The, Lord, the prophet's spoken to him. Now his heart is really on fire. Verse 9, Then he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and those who dwelt with them from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon. For they came over to him in great numbers from Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. This is telling us that as God was giving him victory in the south, even those who lived in the north, the divided kingdom, right? The north, they see that God is working in the south and King Asa is serving God. They came over to worship in the south because they could see God's hand and God's favor. It became a witness and a light to his brethren in the north. Verse 10, so they gathered together at Jerusalem in the third month, in the 15th year of the reign of Asa. And they offered to the Lord at that time 700 bulls, 7,000 sheep from the spoil they had brought. This became a great celebration and an offering to God. Verse 12, then they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. And whoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel was to be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. Talk about incentive. That, that would get some folks out on Wednesday nights, right? <laughs> seek the Lord or else. Verse 14, then they took an oath before the Lord with a loud voice, with shouting and trumpets and ram's horns. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with all their soul, and he was found by them, and the Lord gave them rest all around. And also he, he removed uh, Makah, the mother of Asa, the king. He deals with his mom here from being queen mother because she had made an obscene image of Asherah, and Asa cut down her obscene image, then crushed and burnt it by the brook Kidron. His mom was an idol worshiper. But the high places were not removed from Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was loyal all his days. He also brought into the house of God the things that his father had dedicated and that he himself had dedicated, silver and gold and utensils. And there was no war until the 35th year of the reign of Asa. So Asa takes courage at the victory. He takes courage at the word of the Lord. And he continues the reforms and the spiritual leadership. It becomes an occasion for the whole nation to take this oath. You know, kind of, maybe you remember the story of Joshua when he called the nation together. And he said, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Asa calls the nation to the same kind of commitment. Guys, God has given us this victory. God has asked us to continue to pursue him and continue to seek him. Let's seek the Lord. We're God's people. Let's live for him. We're God's people. Let's follow after him. Let's trust him. Amen. Amen. <laughs> we can do that too. And they took this oath. And, you know, he removes his own mother because she had become this idol wor worshiper. 
And then he dedicates his own resources to the cause. His own gold is silver. The family, you know, uh, wealth is, I mean, this man is all in. He deals with his mother and his money. You know he's sincere. He's definitely after the Lord. So just some final kind of thoughts of application. We're going to stop here tonight. Now, all of this good that's going on with Asa and his reign, the next chapter will show that at the very end, he gets a little bit too comfortable. He stops relying completely on the Lord, and he has something of a tragic end. Now, the Scripture tells us that his heart was loyal all his days. So he loved the Lord but he does get even too comfortable, and that's a warning, but we'll look at that next week. Right now we're focusing on this blessing that he received. And I would say this to your heart tonight. Take courage. Take courage. Be encouraged tonight that God, he wants to bless. He wants to give you rest. He wants to bring you into a place of peace in relationship. You know, God doesn't want you worrying fretting, anxious, troubled, always, you know, am I going to make it this circumstance? Always your mind spinning on all the, the, the things that are, God wants you to trust him. That doesn't mean that there's no circumstance. It doesn't mean that there aren't a million men armies out there for you and I, but if you can trust the Lord, step up to the battle and call on him. Lord, I'm here. I'm not going to shrink back. I'm not going to retreat. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to say, oh, it's too hard. It's not working out. All this serving the Lord. There's nothing to, oh, I just, no, no. Asa continues and God encourages him to continue. Take courage. You know, one just kind of a side thought here. I told you that Abijah, Asa's father, was not a good king. Second Kings tells us that he did not have a loyal heart. He was very fickle. We find out here that his mother was something of an idol worshiper. I mean, this is a guy who grew up in a very dysfunctional family, right? So maybe that's the courage for some of you here tonight. Oh, my parents. Oh, get over it. God is with you now. All things are new. All right? Amen. God can work. God can work. Even though his father and mother were horrible examples Asa rises up and becomes this man of God. All things are new in Christ. Listen, it doesn't matter the past. Don't let it haunt you. Don't let it condemn you. Don't let it shame you. Don't let it uh, uh, tell you some lie that, you know, because of everything that's been done or everything that you've done or all that somehow your life can't find this place of peace and rest and joy and prosperity behold old things have passed away all things have become new god is a god of new beginnings jesus is a is the is the pioneer of a new way and he has called us to follow him in life in love in fullness of joy serve the lord Put him first. Just as, as Asa called the nation, we can call our own hearts here tonight. As for me and my house, let's serve the Lord. Let's take courage tonight. Asa poured his own heart, his, his resources. Let's give the Lord all that we are, all that we have. Let's live for God. We've got just this, this window of, of opportunity to live for the Lord. We've been created by him for good works. We're his masterpiece. You are his workmanship created for purpose and good things. Be blessed tonight.
I'm closing with this passage out of Ephesians. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church. That's you. That's me. By G, by, let's, let's, let, let him be glorified in his church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you tonight for this testimony of King Asa, this man who the Scripture testifies that he did what was right before God. Oh, that we could have that testimony said of us, Lord. Oh, that we could hear that over our lives. You know what, daughter, son? You did well. You did what was right in my sight. You trusted me. You, you came to me, you sought me, you found me in Christ. You received my son into your heart. You enjoyed the mercy, the grace, the love, the newness of life that I promised. Oh, God, that you would help us to walk in the fullness of this calling, that we would abide in you and your love and that you would pass that joy that it might be full down deep into our souls. And Lord, I just pray for us tonight, even as we close in some worship, Lord, we want to just stay in an attitude of prayer. I want to just keep my heart open to you tonight, however the Holy Spirit might want us to end today's service. God, we thank you for this encouragement. I pray that your people would be encouraged tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. We pray you have been blessed by this sermon. For more information, please visit www.ccmonrovia.org.